I'm tired of this shit. I'm not every, the engineer. Every week. Every week. I know, but I'm tired. I'm, I need my engineer back. <laughs> Just producer shit going to somebody's head. But <laughs> but um, welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on BeExposedRadio.com. I am your illustrious host with the mostest, Mr. Nate Hauser. Um, okay, so I have, I'm, maybe I shouldn't start with a gripe, because my friend told me I shouldn't keep doing that, but I don't care, I wouldn't be Nate. Um, so my only gripe is, I think we need to, as we progress with technology, and as time moves on, and things evolve, and we have more luxuries in life that helps us to live life easier, um, Oh, I didn't I say sooner. First of all, I'm not letting anybody else organize my desk for me unless somebody organize my desk and can't find shit. Uh, but my gripe for today, my gripe for today is I think that we are forgetting how to do basic things like remember a phone number because now all I got to do is look at your name or recent calls. I don't even look type in your name anymore. I just look at recent calls and that's how I remember what we talked about and what your number, we don't even know your number anymore. Um, don't even know your own number. Um, but more specifically with GPS, you know, now that, you know, we're getting more deliveries on a more regular basis, um, except for Marnie, because I think he had addiction to you. Amazon before all this started. Uh, but anyway, we are all growing addicted to, you know, getting things delivered. But these drivers and these people who are delivery people f- have forgotten how to look for an address. So every time I order out or I get something delivered, I get a, a text message asking me where I'm at. Um, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough for me to like get a little agitated. Like, look at your phone. You know, I'm quite sure my address is on the app. Look at the building. Look at the phone. Stop looking at. He was getting, um, my delivery driver today was getting frustrated because when they get closer to your house, like your the little dot that represents you is moving. And I said, what the hell am I supposed to sit still until you get here? Like I was moving around my apartment. So he was frustrated because he was trying to find me and he just said the doctors kept moving. I said, but look at the address. Like, are you in the, are you outside the building? Look at, people forgot how to look at the building and see where the address is at. And I'm not, you know, I'm not judging nobody because I'm, I'm allowing technology to run me and I'm trying not to let that happen. But, you know, with technology growing, we can't help but to do that. But however, 
Um, let's let's you know you just start doing some basic things like writing stuff down instead of we don't even we don't even type stuff into our messenger anymore. I see so many people now clicking on the audio button and just talking their notes. They don't even write anymore. So, and this is why our children don't know how to write, don't read very well. Um, their comprehension skills are very low. You know, because as adults, our comprehension, our writing, our speaking, all that is, you know, going down because of technology. And we sometimes have to train ourselves, you know, like for me with texting, it used to bother me that a lot of my friends would text me and it'd be like cold. So then I have to break the cold and such. <clears throat> and it's just annoying. Um, so I say to you this, like, just you know, sometimes do things the right way. Get a journal where you physically have to write, you know, uh, type out the whole sentence in your text. You know, I know that that kills the mood, that kills the vibe, but, you know, don't let your mind become mush with technology. And that's really, that's why a lot of us are having trouble remembering things um, because we're not ever in the moment and we're doing everything digitally and nothing is, what it was and i'm all for change but we have to remember the basics communication you know comprehension this you know i I thought gps when we had gps that was like the thing but now we have gps on our phone so we don't even i do it myself when i'm going somewhere i put the address in and then i click on image so i can actually see the physical building but Come on now, this it takes you nothing to actually look for an address. But okay, that's my gripe for the day. I'm not gonna gripe for a whole 10 minutes, maybe just eight. Uh, but if you're watching for the first time, please like, share, subscribe to our YouTube page, our Facebook page. Uh, my um great, great, great uh just a shout out to Jermaine. Uh he's a young man who has been helping me. Um, just keep up with my YouTube on the various platforms that I have. And he's been helping me like figure out easy shortcuts and stuff like that. And I just finished talking about shortcuts, but you know, to getting all this done, this is a lot to do, even just for one person, but just, just know being a full-time artist is a job in of itself. Um, and if that's your career path, um, more power to you, I understand it, but, um, Get help if you need it. And I definitely needed the help. And I am um, very excited. Uh, this young man, uh, he's a junior now. So I have him for one more year. And I'm going to try to figure out how to keep him beyond that. Um, <laughs> interest him so we can stay, he can stay longer. Uh, but today I suppose I have a guest coming. I guess he'll be here shortly. Um, uh, but in the meantime, um, Marnie, are you there, Marnie? Are you there? So I wanted to talk, I mean, while we wait for the guests to get here, um, I know you've been itching to talk about this Cuomo issue. I know there's a lot of other things going on in the news right now with um, uh, the strip clubs here in the city mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, wanting to open back up. Not, I, And I heard they were already open, so I guess they can't officially open their front doors, but I heard through the work line, they had already been doing some lap dances down there. They just can't promote or you can't, you know, they ain't got bounces at the door no more because then that makes them look like they open. But 
Um, can you like how you feel? I know you're mad about these these quote unquote victims that are coming out against Cuomo. Mm -hmm. um, do you think he's going to be forced? To I'm more I'm, I'm more so mad. I'm mad at them too, but I'm mad at the media too right now. And I typically don't have the gripe with the media because the media is supposed to report facts and then right. have people come on the talking heads that are you know that do the opinions. Mm -hmm. But this time around, I fault the media for spreading the misconception the that these women that these women are victims. Right. They're no. putting the verbiage out there right yeah. now. They're using that verbiage from the, from the Me Too movement, but the Me Too movement meant those women were actually sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what Me Too was about. Sexual assault. Those make That makes them victims. These women weren't victims. These women were victims of unwanted uh, propositions, unwanted, um, for lack of a better word, this man wanted to get to know you better. He wanted to go on a date. He wanted to date you. That is not assault. It may be inappropriate because it's in the workplace. Okay, so that's my question. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see where they all worked with him. They was in the government, in New York's government. So it may be inappropriate, but it was not. It does not make you a victim. So he wasn't necessarily directly their supervisor or their boss. One of them, he was their direct. They was his direct supervisor. But after you've known someone for four years, you I think you have to. You should have the clairvoyance or the opportunity to turn someone down without being malicious with it. If you weren't interested, you just say no, no, thank you. But but I and this is the argument that I've had for a long time because I've had arguments with friends and I've seen them uh, shoot down one guy and call him creepy. But the same another guy comes and says the same thing to them, but they are attracted to him or they're attracted to what he can they can do for him. And they become giggly and they like it. But this guy just said the same thing to you. But because you wasn't attracted to him, it becomes creepy that's why i'm trying to understand that I, I would love to question her like i would love to do an interview with her because i don't think um nora o'donnell did that interview justice when uh -huh. she didn't ask this one of the simplest questions that should have asked how did you turn him down how did you reject him oh. how because you basically didn't just get up and just leave with the answer unanswered you didn't do well, that well they not go ask that question because then it makes it puts a lot of the responsibility then on the woman. That's, but that's my point. We got to get all sides and you have to get the complete picture, not part of the picture. Right. If you're going to access you this extensive, because you kept saying this is an extensive and exclusive interview, then yeah. ask all the questions. Don't ask some of the questions, ask all of them, because that question means something greatly. How did you get out of that situation? You didn't just start texting on your phone and then walk out without answering this question. Because then mean, the question is still unopen, it's still open. The conversation is still open. Right. There had to be some closure for the re the way you got out of that man's office. I'm I'm, but you know what? And on the exact on a another note, um, I'm also following the Ti and Tiny um, situation where the young lady who allegedly uh, had messed around with them as well who initially didn't even come out as saying she was a victim has gotten who who's coming out with all these alleged stories of rape and drugging mm -hmm. of um which which sounds very similar to what 
the storyline was when Phaedra was on uh, Atlantic House, Atlanta House. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Uh, right. So it sounds very similar. And a lot of these people haven't even come out. And, and at this point, it's allegedly 30 women are coming out who, who have said they also went through this. And one dude is saying, so it, this, it worries me that somebody can say anything and put it into social media. There's no court case. There's no judge. There's no police record of any of this happening. But that's what I, you know, with you saying that, that's the same thing I was saying. Like with this Me Too movement has now been going on for three years now. It take you taking this to the media for you to get something done at this point. I mean, I understand if your your questions aren't answered about it, but this specifically to me doesn't sound like harassment. That's a single. I call him the ultimate bachelor. He's the right. ultimate bachelor. He's got prestige. He's got um, power. But he's a bachelor, he is, But is he? He's not married though. He's not married. He's single. That's why he's a bachelor. So when him, and then during this pandemic, I'm 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 like kind of trying to step in his shoes and see where he's coming from, and even try to even though he's not saying anything. Mm -hmm. This man's single. The only people he's ever around because of the pandemic is his staff. Yeah. Right. So I'm trying to kind of like even like, you know, lighten up the load on. Yes, it's inappropriate this, because it's his staff member. Things, a lot of these things weren't even allegedly during this pandemic time. It was. The, the, this girl was in November. Of oh, this one girl. Yes. This this the one that was just on the Donna. She said this happened in November. Mm. So specifically on that case, I'm like, well, it's a pandemic. He has no real options. He can't just go out in the street and so meet what somebody. Is, what is she saying happened? Because I didn't, I didn't look at the interview. That, what did she say okay, happened? so one of the parts of her story that she said um, is that he brought up when he pulled, he asked her to come in his office. Mm -hmm. So they was in his office talking back and forth, which which they probably do all the time. She was there for four years, yeah. and he brought up her rape that she had been raped before, right? And, and was asking her questions basically about her, how she felt about sex and all that kind of stuff. But trying to, I guess, and that, to me, it just seems like he was trying to feel out her comfort level after being raped mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. dating. Because mm -hmm. he was going to ask her out. Right, right. Okay, so that's how I'm trying to, I'm trying to make that make sense in my head for what these questions, because he questioned her. It wasn't like he was like, take your drawers off, take your pants off, let's do this. He's right. questioning you about your comfort level after being raped because he wants to ask you out. It just makes me, it, it makes me live like, and I'm, I'm just saying as a guy, I am still uncomfortable. And I'll, I'll say this, even around my close women friends, mm -hmm. unless you a family member and like an immediate family member, I'm uncomfortable in this moment. Mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable around people who I know have been victimized. I'm uncomfortable around people who are underage and not because I'm fearful of what I would do. I don't know where people are with their trauma. So I may say something or crack a joke that I, and I've worked hard, you know, not to be inappropriate. But you know our demeanor, who doesn't say anything sometimes that's inappropriate for the workplace? Right, so, but it's all in laughter. That's what they kept saying. The stuff that he kept saying was inappropriate. It was this and this and this. But did he sexually assault you? That's all I'm trying to get to. Because why is this on the damn news? But you know what? You, you know what I think is happening? Like they did to Joe Biden when he was saying he was going to run. 
they tried to demean his character in this way. But did. that's also why I think there's another angle to this that mm-hmm. them far right folk, let's call them QAnon, let's call them Republicans, have gotten into these chicks' ears mm-hmm. and try to make try to make up something to bring this man down who has been the ride or die for New York this, this past right. year. Right. And they're trying to trying to corrupt his position for running for president. Yeah. And I, when, as soon as I, because I first saw it on your, your page, mm-hmm. and that's what I kept saying. This is another one of those cases where a Democrat is about to be, be thrown under the bus. So I hope it doesn't stick because right. he would be a good candidate, I guess, you know, out of everybody that's in office right now who would be up next. And that's why I'm actually happy that he has chosen not to resign. Don't resign. You shouldn't mm-hmm. resign. Not for this. Not for no accusations of um, misappropriate language. Are you kidding me? That's mm-hmm. not a reason for somebody to lose their job. Okay, I can apologize to you if you thought it was inappropriate. Thank you. Have a good day. Enjoy the rest of your damn you day. But bitch, you're going to be alone for the rest of your life and probably unemployable because no one can trust you no more. Mm. Yeah. If that was your supervisor, and then you see what you did to your supervisor, who wants to hire you? Yeah, I, I'm just um, I, I'm, I don't know how to feel about this because because now I, I can't even joke with you in the office. I can't say nothing to you in particular in the office because you might go to HR because you you yourself thought it was inappropriate. Everybody else in the office laughed, but you thought it was inappropriate. I can't have you work for me. You're unemployable. Right, a twenty-five-year-old unemployable woman. Sorry, yeah. and it, it it makes it and it and it's shameful that she would have to be the one that's unemployable. Mm-hmm. But if you don't think it's funny, don't laugh, don't be around. And it. once again, you should have in, in, in the four-year age of Me Too, you should have been woman enough at this point to reject his offer and let it be dead. If you don't want to date me, say no. No, thank you. And go right. back to your goddamn desk. Now you're unemployed and no one's ever going to hire you. Because you might as well go here to work for the women's minority organization because that's so it. What was her position with him? Like, I, I, think I wish I knew. I don't. That's I. That's what I did when I tried to look it up. I, she and several, I mean, they, they got several pictures with them, you know, very close together right. in pictures together. So you knew him at a comfort level that you could get in a picture like that with your arms wrapped around him. Because so I'm not trying to hear that, you know, that you wasn't interested, crap. You know he he's single. Was, but what if, like, I'm, I'm going on, okay, she wasn't attracted to him. They were just colleagues and, you know, work friends. I get that. But because... But, they, but the operative word you used there was work friends. Criminal. Work friends. You should have had the strength to say, no, I'm not interested thank you anyway, go back to your desk and get back to work. Or now, if at, it continues, then it becomes harassment. Right. But, but it, if this but, is one instance we're talking about, right. no. But that's I'm not why, trying to hear any of this. But that's why HR has so many rules around this. That's why, because it gets sticky. But at the same time, when did, I mean, I understand inappropriateness, but, but it was clear, you know, the interesting part is that it's, it was, it's apparently been clear that y'all spoken about her rape before, because mm-hmm. why would he feel so comfortable bringing it up? And how does he know? Mm-hmm. Y'all have talked about this before. 
I'm, I broke all her, um, I broke that interview straight down. Like, why would he bring up your rape if he didn't know about it and you talked see, about it before? But see, those types of interviews, I don't even buy into them anymore because mm-hmm. they're set up by PR people. They're set up. And, and they don't ask certain questions. I mean, she asked her, did questions. you accept his apology? Because he apologized if he, um, you took his words wrong. He apologized. I was like, he, he shouldn't have did that. But, but whether she takes it or not. It doesn't matter the, because this was one instance in one office with one person and it wasn't repetitive. So it's not was harassment. Name, what was the name of the, the other senator? He was he used to be a comedian, but he turned into a senator. Al Franklin. Al Franklin. She she accepted his apology mm-hmm. and they still forced him to resign. Right. So it don't exactly. matter. And they, uh, they're comparing this matter. to that. They're comparing what, this to that. Right, yeah. that's why a lot of people don't speak out or they don't. You remember, I said it. Al Franklin shouldn't have, um, he shouldn't have um, resigned either. He oh. should have stayed right there because he was a good senator. Yep, 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 yep. Because it was the same situation. They were making jokes and they mm-hmm. were inappropriate jokes. And some people, most people look at it as inappropriate, but if it made you uncomfortable, go to HR. Right. Not to Facebook. And she did. She did go to um, whoever their HR person is and to their general counsel. That's why the investigation is going, because apparently they must have brought it to his attention, but it wasn't that heavy because it wasn't harassment. They probably said, this ain't harassment. She just got propositions and she felt uncomfortable. Uncomfortableness is not harassment. But it's still, and and see, the word proposition to me is even too heavy for. If Mm -hmm. he flirted with you or... That's what I meant. I said proposition because even if it was a proposition, that is not harassment. Mm -hmm. I can propose something to you. Would you like to date me? That's a proposition. <laughs> right, 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 right. And you have the option of saying yay or nay. See, uh, but I'm, see, I'm real uncomfortable now with with the method that people are following. You went straight from make it public to doing an interview. <laughs> There's no court case. There were no charges filed. You did go to HR, but you when you didn't like their response, you didn't go to the police department. You didn't get your lawyer. You didn't do the any. The part is where is Stormy Daniels? Mm. Yeah. yeah. She's still a porn star, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing changed. Her career ain't just blow up. Well, just I mean. Learn, learn your le- it's like learn your lessons. Mm. You should have learned your lessons. I said, me too, been here for four years. But with Stormy Daniels, that was a mutual it was, but she came out as, you know, with, with her her position was to make it a negative thing, though, right? Right, right. But think you, when you do this and you make all this publicity for yourself, that you were going to rise. You could start being a movie. probably got stuff. a couple more dollars. That ain't happened. You still she a porn star. She did a <laughs> well, she was a dancer. Was she an escort or a dancer? She was a porn star. Was she a porn star? Yes, she has movies. Because I thought the movies came after the allegations. Oh, but I, I don't yeah. follow white strippers. Well, that so. makes you a prostitute in any case. Right. <laughs> you got paid to have sex with them. Do not shame the sex workers. I'm not. I'm just saying, regardless of what it was, whether right. you were a porn star or, or a dancer, you turned into a prostitute when you accepted money to sleep with them. But Bam. it's... I'm, it's happening to... A contracted porn star. Because apparently there was paperwork. Now I'm not going to compare the Ti and Tiny to Cuomo. I mean, we we can't really compare them because yeah, one yeah, one idea has something to do with assault, mm-hmm. right? And and Cuomo is a public servant, so you have mm-hmm. to still look at this differently. But at the same time, 
it's it's strange how you can make that because even with Tion Tiny, you know, it didn't start out with um blaming him for anything. She was initially mad at Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, mm-hmm. for for allowing Ti a platform to be able to speak out on injustice and not and because she didn't give her that same platform. That's mm-hmm. where all this started from. And I then it went to that because I got a feeling they gonna go nowhere. What the Ti? Mm-hmm. But the damage is being done. You know that show was canceled. Yeah, Tia and the fa- Tia and Tiny and the Family Hustle. That show was canceled, so oh, that's that. in the middle of a pandemic. You know he wasn't being torn. She not torn. They probably still getting residuals from music, but not that, not that much. How you doing, sir? Doing good. How are you, sir? Mr. Reed. Uh, so we were just going over some political mess and foolishness in our hot topic section. Uh, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing great in yourself. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, this virtual world has me like I, I get easily agitated and I'm trying to like right. bring back. That's why I don't watch the news that much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we got Dr. Reed on the show today. Um, let's first just, you know, get all the house cleaning out. Let us know who you are and uh what you did. Yes. I'm Dr. Oliver T. Reed, the writing coach, and I help entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches write their books fast. I usually uh, really work as a writing coach to get what's outside, um, you know, out of their framework. You know, people that are doing stuff, busy, um, coaching, teaching, and Mm -hmm. need to create a literary project and just don't know where to start. I help them do that in under 30 days, man. So I'm an award best-selling author and uh, just happy. Uh, to be servicing people. So uh, how long have you been writing? Yeah, I've been writing for years. I've been writing since I was in the sixth grade, not trying Mm to, uh, a little bit before that as well, but not trying to give my whole entire age away, but I've been doing it for a very, very long time. (laughs) It it seems to be a field that's always been popular, but somehow in the last like five or six years or so, probably even a little bit longer than that, everybody is wanting to use this type of platform to get their story out. Uh, And unfortunately, a lot of us aren't the best writers. Like for me, I don't know how I made it to college uh, because I am not the, the, I can write a term paper, but in terms of creative writing, that is much harder than just writing a research paper. That's, that's easy because you got a format, you know, what your margins are and all that, but creative writing, for me, it seems like a struggle. And with all the artists that I'm uh, interviewing, a lot of them had that hesitation in the beginning because, you know, especially when you're telling a truth. Yeah. You know, um, that seems to be the hardest thing. So in, in terms of the technical writing skills or just the ability to get their story out, what seems to be the most difficult? Yeah, a lot of people have to overcome the fear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell everybody yeah. it took me 10 years to write my first book. Like, okay. even though I was a writer and doing all this other stuff, I didn't deem myself as a writer. I just found myself doing it by way of right. writing poetry in, in the 80s and 90s hip hop. I started rapping. And so okay. I was writing. And so for the biggest thing is that and when I did realize it, it was a lot of fear and anxiety around that. Mm-hmm. You know, as artists, a lot of times people don't understand this. Sometimes we don't even understand ourselves. 
We're just right. kind of like, hey, trying to find a place to fit in. So one of the things I do is it's almost like putting in reps or exercising. You have to uh, get get cool with telling mm-hmm. your truth in small increments. You know, a lot of times right. people want to just blot it out. You know, one just well, everything. Right. Everything, everything, instead of finding a focus. And I'm, I'm, I am guilty of that. I'm working with a great editor right now for a book I'm writing. And that's one of the, that's have been my hesitation, wanting to put everything in the kitchen sink in that first book. And a lot of individuals like yourself, coaches and uh, ghostwriters, they yeah. t- always tell me, normally when they meet somebody who's even, you know, gotten to the point of writing, like what they hand over to them, it's normally like five or six books that they're looking at. Yeah, one so of the they want to put all that in the first one. Yeah, I always tell people, and one of the steps in my milk writing system, I created a whole system to show people how I've done. It's called the what? What milk, system? Milk writing system. Okay. And one of the biggest things, you remember that old commercial, like you got milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for a lot of times, we jump off of one thing and try it's to do simple. all these other things, and we don't milk it. What I found out, Nate, and doing research about, you know, researching about milk, that it takes about 72 hours just for milk to leave the farm. Mm, okay. And then it has to go through other testing. The same thing with writing. One of the things I tell people all the time is that you don't have to finish to be finished. You got this 90, 900 page novel that needs to be nine or 10 books. Because mm-hmm. nobody's mm-hmm. reading over 180 pages, typically, anyway. Your fans will kind of maybe go a little bit further than that. But most people need 140 pages. They, they you want me to put that. my whole life story in? And like a little paperback, little <laughs> manual, sir, my life is spectacular. I need, I I need volumes. <laughs> I believe it. That's why we got volume one, volume two. And I, when I realized that, I was like, mm-hmm. hey, you don't have to be finished to be finished. And when I realized that, you can put a B continued. I just wrote a children's book. I could have wrote a whole, you know, long journey about this kid. Get him with wrote. the cliffhanger. I get you. I get you. Yes, sir. <laughs> so how 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 much or what percentage of your job as a coach is therapy? Yeah, a lot of, I think, uh, you know, my background is in mental health anyway. So I think uh, I would say, Oh, you're doing, Oh, you about to blow up, sir. (laughs) You about to blow up mental health. So I think it's about, it it is really about 60, 40, Mm. you know, really. How much time do you spend getting that initially? you know, getting those things out of the way so they can get to the actual writing. Yeah, a lot. Is that a part of the process? That's a part of the project process. Once, yeah. once people come to me, I actually have a strategy call. And in that strategy call, it's kind of breaking their mindset. And I'm not okay. saying in a bad way, just like there's a lot of barriers when we first start talking. There's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, or just hype excitement. And then I got to just pull you into focus. You know, right. you're, like, you're so excited about it, but what's your man? We don't know what's your message. And usually when we start dealing with the messaging process, well, I'm dealing with your mind and your mindset about your project. Um, and when I say milk, it, I'm like, I have a famous quote, like milk your crisis too. bring mm-hmm. your crisis to the table. Everybody wants to bring the success thing, but you got to have a balance. So in that mental space, trying to get them to do this dance with what you've been through, your story and where you want to go, but also give us enough in between. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it's, it is a, um, so I'll, I'll speak from my, my point of view. So I had, in my mind, I'm an artist. That's create your own masterpiece. That's my model for my life. Um, but when it came to writing, it was a little bit more difficult because I didn't want to 
start off writing something fictional. I wanted to write, you know, start, if I'm going to do this, I wanted to start from my own perspective. Um, and it was really, um, and, and me sitting down talking to my editor, I, I, the therapy sessions definitely came mm-hmm. uh, because I was worried about the people who I was writing about. And, and, and that's how I looked at it. So my mindset had to change because I was telling my story and these people were just parts of that story. Yeah. So it, that was the first part I had to get over what they would think. And most people don't publish their book until somebody has passed away because they yeah. are that uncomfortable feeling about cer- selling certain things and how is that person going to be affected by it? Uh, yeah. is, that, is that a big part of the fear in writers or how often do you come across that person? I get it all the time. There's a big part of the fear. A lot of times mm. people are writing as a reactive um, measure. And I try to start mm. you know, teaching people. I believe everybody in nature have a book. If you live this life and you have the capacity, you need to tell your story to pass it on as a legacy. A lot mm. of times people don't understand the oldest book in the world or the most, I would say, not so much oldest, but the most frequently used book in the world is the Bible. And it's been repurposed millions of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it has never got old. Your book will never get old. When they, you know, I've written over 40 some books and I've helped you know, hundreds of authors write their books. Right. And one of the biggest things that I've, I've actually found to be true, that when you blow the dust from my bones, my children's children will be able to use this book to educate, to, to hear my story. But then also it can provide a passive income for them. Uh, mm-hmm. I can leave it. So a lot of times people don't look at books as, hey, you know, this is something that can pass on to my generation. A lot of times they look at sometimes the women, they don't have Aunt Sarah's recipe because they didn't put it in the cookbook mm-hmm. before she passed. And so, you know, now people are like, man, I wish I would have known how to, to cook this macaroni and cheese that Aunt Sarah used to make. I don't know. Something simple as that as a family heirloom history. So I get people who are in crisis. A lot mm-hmm. of times, they, you know, writing is therapy. So I walk them through that whole process and say, hey, milk it. You know, I want to talk about, you know, everything. Um, and then break it up into volumes and get people to be comfortable. And also it's painful because you have to also relive a lot of this stuff when you're really telling your story. Mm-hmm, you get mm-hmm. your secret sauce. Like right now, everything trending right now is what? Coming to America movie tonight, right? Right. But people right. are not looking at somebody had to write the script. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to write the script. This thing is 30-something years old, about to be reinvented, about to hit the best whatever platform uh, in right. the world, Amazon. And look, remember the remember the whole thing where um you had McDonald's and you had McDowell's, <laughs> and right. the only thing that separated them was the sauce. Okay, <laughs> we got you know, and, and, so and the I shape of the tell, arch, the arch, and the arch, you mm-hmm. know. And so what I try to tell every artist and every writer: develop your secret sauce, and a lot of that is overcoming your fear and challenges. Mm. And, and it, but it's 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 difficult, but it's so rewarding because. Even once you've written a book, there's several, there's a business within it because you could take it and write up, take that manuscript and write a a screenplay with it or uh, become a playwright with it um, or have it adapted into TV, film, stage, or just workshop it. I I have a lot of friends who have written manuals or books and now they're on the whole workshop, public speaking, inspirational speaking circuit. So it's, so many different things that you can do with a book. You're you're taking it in another direction. You're helping other people to do the same thing. So yeah. uh, I don't think people realize how much of a business 
there is in writing. And then you don't have to stay stuck in a room writing or typing out, you know, drafts of a story. You can, there's so many different things you can, it's the same way they work an album. There's certain things you can do and you can travel with it. And, 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 you know, it's, I didn't even think about the passive income because a book doesn't expire. People may not buy it frequently, but it doesn't expire. It'll always be something that can be printed or sent out or mailed out. Yeah, one of the things I love about writing a book is that I also teach entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches. A lot of them are already speaking already. They're already doing things. That's my ideal clients, right? And from a standpoint that they don't have books. And you're you're not only leaving money on the table, you're leaving opportunity. People have invited me to come speak and to do workshops, seminars, whatever, because they got my book first. Not because they know me, but when they're going down the line and saying, who do I want to keynote? I'd rather have a person with the book or somebody to say, hey, I'm an expert in this. So when well, you it, it, write, it does, yeah. I, and I'm noticing people who may not be an expert in something because they wrote the book, they then are looked at as an expert in something, which is scary. It's scary. Because you don't know who you get. So I would say at least be who you who you are in that book. Like at, at least be that person because you can get into a lot of trouble and it will hurt you subsequently when you go to write another book or when you're trying to, you know, get because people talk, they talk. So yeah. at least be about the business that you're writing about. Yeah, you know, it's so um, important because one of the things I always say is that I am a book. Instead mm-hmm. of writing a book, I teach my clients, I teach people I work with to become that book and be authentic. Right. Because at the right. end of the day, I tried to become and becoming, you know, what I wanted. Because a lot of people just throw a book out. They don't get a coach. They don't, you know, I found this out, mm-hmm. you know, with, um, you know, training and just from a standpoint of just, you know, exercise. You know, that that trainer wants you to, to get your form down first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you can lift up. It's not how much you can lift. It's a, are you lifting it correctly? Are you putting your book out there correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, like you said, which is a great point, a lot of people will misrepresent themselves inside of their book because they didn't have the coaching. They just want to put some out and you want to make sure that, Hey, that when they Google you, you're actually doing what you say you're doing. You actually mm-hmm. not plagiarizing. You give right. credit where credit is due and you're actually walking it out. Cause you're, you're then hurting it for other people. Cause a lot of these people have self-published their books. And for a number of years, self-published books had a really bad name because people didn't trust the person behind the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause often a lot of those people had ghostwriters, which is nothing wrong with that. Uh, but you gotta, you, you at least have to know the topic that you're writing about. Um, in terms of being a writer outside of everything else, uh, how did you put time into what you're doing while still helping other people? Yeah, it's really the development of the system. You know, I, I practice what I, what I actually, I practice what I'm coaching. And mm-hmm. even this month, I'm doing something called Milk, uh, March Milkness, off of like March Madness. So if you follow okay. me on Instagram, you'll see that I'm going to be dropping a product every week that I'm currently doing. You know, okay. everybody on my email list, everybody I'm coaching, I'm challenging them that even though I'm coaching to show you it can be done. Like while I'm doing that, so I have a, I have two books in the works this month that's going to be mm-hmm. coming out, and I show that you can do that. So just keeping myself aligned with what I'm saying, mm-hmm. it's almost like, yeah, I'm saying it, but I'm doing it. You know, you know, and I think that keeps me on the cutting cusp of being able to say, hey, you know what, it can be done. And how to be done. And I teach people a lot of times that writing is speaking. A lot mm-hmm. of times people who are singers, who are artists, you're doing already, who are uh, out in the public firm, you don't have time to sit down at your Mac or PC and type everything out. I teach you creative ways of how to capture what you're already doing and then turn that into a product. 
So what what is something that you want to venture into in terms of being a writer um, that you may not have written about yet or or taken it to another platform with your writing? Is it anything you want to do? Oh, man, man, you're a great interviewer, man. You let the, the cat out of the bag. I'm working out with a, with a guy now, and I'm excited. A part of my life, brother, that, mm-hmm. that I didn't want to touch before, that I'm really about to expose to the world. And so I'm working That's on some movie writing and working on my first movie in the background. So it's one of those That's things that I'm in the background. Well, I'm going to ask you too, sir. So, you know, when, you, when you're thinking about a person, you know, this writer, writer Lord, I only need a cameo. I'm <laughs> not, you know. There's no such thing as small parts. Exactly. Uh, but that that's a natural evolution for a lot of writers. Uh, what preparation? Because please, as writers, do not waste your money and time trying to make a movie if you have not done the work. Let this me say this. For example, but <laughs> yeah. what preparation are you putting into it? I love it, Nate, because it's great. I, even though I'm a great writer, and I say mm-hmm. this with, with the humblest of me going through bad experiences and evolving as a writer. Mm-hmm. Write, I'm not writing my own script. Right. I'm getting somebody else to write my script. Um, yes, I'm going to have creative, executive write, executive producer write, all that stuff that comes along with it, protecting my brand. Mm-hmm. But I realize that you have to put your hands or put something in the hands of a specialist. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put it like this. A basketball in my hand, bro, is at the most $100. Well, so I take that same basketball and I put it in LeBron James and I put it in, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Allen, I put it in whoever hand. The value goes up because of who hands it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't know anything about movies, writing scripts. Right. I'm a writer. I got a, a hired a brother who's absolutely dope, who does this all the time, award winning. Say, hey, take my, you know, my, mm-hmm. my baby and show me what to do with it. And it's in, in trust, it's fine. Like, one of my favorite writers who did that is uh, she wrote Wet in the XL, Sell How Stella Got Her Groove At, and she was not too proud to then get a screenwriter or uh, yeah. sell her the rights to her book to a screenwriter in order to have it. Because if you write in novels all the time, yeah. you may not be the best screenwriter. It may be possible, but I, I want us as artists to stop being so insular, like I got to do everything in-house because then the quality of your work, and we're not going to say this person's name out loud because we're not going to yeah. hate on each other anymore, but I'm just saying the quality of your work is affected when you don't put the proper people in place. Yes. You know, yeah. you still, you know, the contracts helps you to keep getting paid from that. So it's not like you're going to get any less money, but Spread that wealth. There's somebody out right here right now that needs a screenwriting job. Let yep. that person who does that for a living, who is great at that, and you can still learn how to do it. So eventually, you know, down the line, I don't want to hear you saying you gave to the, I want you to say, well, I wrote this script, you know, at some point, you know, and that's how you climb and grow because you're learning the process. Yeah, and a and lot of us waste a lot of money and a lot of time, yes. you know, especially making a film is really, I don't care how good the script is, it's very expensive. Yep. Even if it's the worst script in the world, it's still very expensive. And, I, and I'm and i raising my hand, I made that mistake in trying to jump out there. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in terms of you finding your team to do these things, how did you seek out a screenwriter? Yeah, it, it was amazing because, you know, I'm believing that everything, there's no thing wasted. And the, the guy who's writing my script, 
I was a guy out of L.A., but we grew up together in Charlotte, and we actually mm. grew up together. And what's the powerful part of it is he saw me live my story at the okay. same time, not even knowing that he was going to become a producer. He produces movies, writes scripts, but he also movie producer, all this other stuff. He's got great accolades. And mm-hmm. we messed because I wanted somebody to embody but really understand from a cultural standpoint, I'm about to get into mm-hmm. some deep stuff from this movie. And so I wanted to be able to, to find it. So we kind of collided and God just put in my heart, like, this is the dude. Okay. You know, and it was like, oh, it wasn't like, oh, you know, a uh, second thought. I came to two or three times. Like, people don't understand when you're a creative, I'm always doing four or five different things. But, so this has been a work, like, when people see this, it's probably going to be about 10 years or 15 years worth of work on the mm. back end where I've been, I, I did, I, I went to get one screenwriter, but he was more of a movie producer, but he tried mm. to do it for me. And we realized, mm, no, nah, that's not quite quite it. You know, we're kind of like, yeah. And everything ain't for everybody. Right. And so we like, no. And then we, I moved on and then waited until we got reconnected. And it's just like, boom, he's mm. going through it now. What I'm learning, Nate, is the same time I'm learning his format. I'm learning how he does it, how he thinks, how he takes ideas that I give him and just boom. So it's it's learning. So one day I do want to. Uh, I wrote plays before, but I do want to get into that script writing. But it was kind of like I built my team by trial and error in, in my gut. I think I think people don't do that enough. You know, even if people give you a reference and people say, hey, go to this person, that person might not be the person for you. Right. It might not be the good team together. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 this is um, it's a process. And what I'm learning as an artist, because I, you know, I come from stage. I went to school to be an actor and and I learned patience. Yeah. You know, in my 20s, I felt like I could do everything. I was doing two and three shows at a time and everything was overlapping and the quality and the integrity in my work suffered. And when, by the time I got to 30, I was tired, one, <laughs> physically tired. But at the same time, it, I realized if you just pace yourself, and just have, you can have multiple things going on. Just pace yourself so you don't feel like this one project, you put everything into it and I got to do it now and it got to happen in a certain time frame. And it's great to have goals, but make sure you space that goal out so you can accomplish it without ruining your life in the process. Yes. Or without blocking out everything in your life. Unless that is, you know, the goal, unless you have a contract or you got the luxury of, you know, blocking out all that time. But just pace yourself. It's no right. That's why I, I've interviewed a lot of uh, artists. Shout out to Miss Johnson. Uh, she sent me a lot of artists and I've learned, uh, writers uh, specifically, uh, but I've learned a lot about the patience of being an artist. You don't have to just rush and get everything done. You know, pace yourself. So the quality and the integrity in your work is always there. Um, when did you know that writing was going to be a business for you? Yeah, it, and this is a whole long story. Uh, I, I, this was this year. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a little bit of last year because I, you know, I'm a motivational speaker, coach, uh, multi best on international, national. You know, just kind of doing some things. Just dropping a little accolades. You know, yeah. we're cleaning it up later. Right. Just, just <laughs> and I'm like, hey. <laughs> and then I was working with my my brother, but my business coach was like, man, you know, I had to come all these different coaches throughout the years, you know, mm-hmm. and did all these things and in ministry and all this stuff. I just did all this stuff. And he said to me, he said, man, dude, you are the writing coach, man. Everything mm-hmm. you did. Cause when I was a relationship coach, I wrote books. When I was a speaker, I wrote books. When I was preaching, I wrote books. 
when I was rapping, I wrote raps. You know, so I was <laughs> that's been the constant denominator. So it was evolving at the end of the year last year. It was like, you know what, I'm gonna embrace who I really am because that's what I do, and I always mm-hmm. help people do it. So then I that's when I started realizing, ah, oh, this is a business for me. I'm looking at all these other things on the outside. You know, I'm like, man, right. let me create myself to do this and realize that I'm an artist at heart, I'm a writer to the heart, I am uh, motivated to the heart. I, I see mm-hmm. things differently. How you see it as an artist, you know, you, 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 my filters are different. And when I embraced that and then started to realize I don't have to do anything else but be Dr. Oliver T. Reed, the writing coach. Now, I so still might talk about trying to do when you were fighting the, these creative urges. And I was the your solution coach, which I wanted to. It was funny because I wanted to, like, what's the solution? Coach? I'm going to bring solutions to everybody who needs it. I'm going to help them do, but I was still helping them write. I was still doing all those. You know, a lot of times in our culture, and me and my brothers talk about this, we feel like we have to create this, you know, shiny mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized that I didn't have to do that anymore. Then before, then I was, uh, um, I was, uh, uh, the relationship architect was then I started moving into relationships. I was still writing books on relationships and creating games and relationships, but I was still writing. The common thing was I was still writing. But you were trying to, and most artists get in trouble for that because they try to be everything because they're stuck on that nine to five mentality. Yes. Making somebody else wealthy. Yep. You know, we often as artists, we often make people very wealthy but we're doing a disjustice to ourselves because we're trying to do everything but be an artist. We got to make money. I got to survive. I got to keep a roof over my head. And we do all these different things and don't realize we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But it's just take away all that other stuff and yes. just go to the core of what the, com- like you said, the common denominator. Yeah. And my wife told me something one day, you know, so powerful. She said, when it will happen for you, it will happen for you. Mm. You know, and it, it was something that was really, really powerful with, with that said. It was almost like I realized that now it's happening because now I'm like, I don't have to create all this stuff that I'm not. Not that I don't do those things, but I I, I would do all those things to get back to doing what I'm doing now. Because mm-hmm. you would spend this much time on your on you and all that other time yeah, yeah. building up that facade. Yeah. And that, that facade is costly. Is time consuming and it just doesn't pay off. It doesn't pay off. And you got to really make sure, you know, you, you just got to focus on you. And, and a lot, I know it's scary. Being an artist is being an entrepreneur. And it's very scary because it's almost like getting up, getting ready and walking out the house naked every day. Yeah. And people don't understand how how you strip yourself every day trying to focus on your artistry. but it's yeah. just a preparation. And, and as, as your wife said, it is going to happen. But in the meantime, prepare for it. Do yeah. the work. Put in the work now. And I, I regret I did a lot of work becoming an artist, studying as an artist. But I really didn't put the preparation into what my goals were. Yeah. yeah. I was making everybody else's dreams come true. So Yeah. And it's so important that you said that that was so powerful is really getting a strategy and getting a system. A lot of people don't want to, and I always do this just because, you know, what I do, but I realize a lot of people don't want to get coaches. They get coaches for everything else, you know, mm-hmm. but when it comes to the artistry, when it comes to creating a book, I've had a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to, you know, why would That's I the arrogance. That? The arrogance. I can just go to Amazon and put it, put it up. I can just go to, what, why would I need, and then I'm like, how is that working for you? You, you know, know how many, you, specifically writers, I know so many writers who had that attitude 
who published the book, who put it up on all these platforms, yeah. only for somebody like myself to say, you know how many grammatical errors in this book? You know how many different books are in this one book right <laughs> here? Like, it's, it's, we just don't want people to tell us what to do because we feel like we're in what we're doing. So why do yeah. I need somebody to tell us? And then we, we become cheap. We don't want to yeah. pay somebody to tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. So until we make all those mistakes and then we got to, you know, recoup that and then start all over again. Then you get is back, it, right? It, is, is it, uh, what has been the difficulty? And then talking about all this, what has been the difficulty for you and keeping the, keeping yourself motivated? Yeah, because right now, and, and I've been doing this for years that I, that I, like I told you, I got several different things that I'm doing. I also work a full-time job, which is a given, in a given field. Human mm -hmm. services field. It's, it's benefactor. That's your benefactor. Yes. That's what we call them, benefactor. Benefactor. That's my vehicle, like somebody uh -huh. I heard say. <laughs> so I transport. Right. right. And exactly. So and it's, it's a very giving type of field. So mm -hmm. it's social services, it's human services, directing and, and overseeing things. Okay. At the same time, I still, that's a challenge because I still have to attend things with family. I still have to make sure my clients get what they need. So just having that balance a lot of times. And maintaining mm -hmm. that balance is something that I'm working towards because I don't know how, you know, how we, the grind is real. I don't know how to sometimes turn that off. Well, I mean, at, at one point, like when you go to a job and we give, just remember, somebody came up with that. Somebody's wife or significant other is lounging right now during the pandemic because of the work you're putting in. Yeah. So you have to come home and do that same amount of work. And over time, the plan is to yeah. do less of this and yeah. do more of that. But you have to make that plan and that strategy and trust. I'm speaking like I know this, but it's, I'm living it in the moment because it's really hard. That nine to five is a dope that you can't buy when none of these corners out here. It's a, ooh, it's a, it's no. a strong dope, especially when you're making good money doing it. Yes, it's sir. a good dope. It is. And just saying, hey, the challenge is don't get comfortable. Mm -mm, mm -mm, right. Mm -mm. And that's what I meant, like, hey, and that's why I'm still producing. Like, I, it's almost like, hey, I'm producing because it's in me to do. I don't write books to make money. I don't mm -hmm. write books. You know, it's a passion. You know, before I even knew mm -hmm. I was a writer, I was writing. So I always try to keep myself in my mentality to keep doing it. You know, sharpening my skills. Mm -hmm. Keep writing. Uh, it's, my, it's my way to give back to people. It's my way to give back to myself. It's also... My love affair, writing is a love affair. She's faithful. I can just get in there, you know me, and just flow. And that's that's the thing that you do. You know, I always say when you find your passion, it sounds so cliche, but that's so true. When you really find what you do in your sleep. But I was going back to what we said earlier, Nate. I was looking on the outside when the writing was with me. The aesthetics. You were into the aesthetics of what it looked like to be yep. a writer yep. versus the everyday application yep. of being a writer. Well, that, that's... I mean, that's entrepreneurship 101. Yeah. Like, you you have to live what you're doing. You can't just, you know, you can't fake it because when you start faking it, it's going to cost you a lot. Yeah. It will cost you a lot. And and sometimes you got to sacrifice. The sacrifice is in you preparing uh, to do whatever it is your art form is. But looking at yourself as an entrepreneur, the same things you would do in starting a business, you have to be an artist and do the same thing. You have to set your... Your, uh, your hours, you got to make a budget. You got to remember to, you know, all the money you make ain't your money. You got to pay yourself from that. All those 
those things that we take for granted or we just overlook or we learn once we've hit rock bottom for the third, fourth, fifth time. <laughs> but you have to, you know, put that energy into preparing yourself and learning. You sound like a researcher. So doing all the research that you need to prepare yourself so you know what you're talking about, but you also know what you're doing. Yes. You, know, you don't want to just be blinding your way. Right. Ooh, them 20s. You be so dumb in your 20s. Just, I'm going to just live life to the fullest. Live life. Can't nobody tell you that. You, right. By the time you're 30, FICA is looking real pathetic at that point. Right. Uh, but in terms of you building this, and you, you spoke a little bit about legacy. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of my students ask me what that is. But I, I tell people your legacy is what you do on a day-to-day basis in preparation for it. You can't really define your legacy in terms of the end result. You just yeah. put the day-to-day work in it. But and you building this for your children's children, children. Uh, what are you what are you what are some of the things that you're doing or the strategies that you're doing in preparation? Yeah, the producing content that I don't own. And what I mean by that is I don't own. I mean, we, we as writers, we want to be like, hey, I wrote this, but I want to activate right now. My goal was really to find a hundred entrepreneurs, speakers and coaches that I can pour into. Mm. Why? Because I know they may have a million other people that they pour into and realize that, hey, that I'm mm-hmm. a seed and mm-hmm. I want to be reproducing other people, not only just from my media family to the right. people that are around my loved ones, but hey, I want to be able to turn on the TV and see somebody else get but everybody want their name on stuff. They're not right. willing to put in that work to prepare, you know, so you, you become a commodity to people versus, you know, a hardship for them. Exactly. Uh, but so that, that's smart, though. That's that's, you know, I want to be able to multiply. But then also in the end of the day, when you really mm-hmm. think about wealth, the people that are really wealthy, you don't even know their name a lot of time. You don't even right. see them, you know, right. but they've been active. They've influenced so many different people. And uh-huh. I want to be able to say, when you blow the dust from my bones, is as a legacy. And then I'm producing pure content, content that really says, okay, cool. And as I work with people, I'm seeing them, them publish their books in under 30 days. I worked with somebody recently, 30 days came in. She was a great individual, had her own practice, amazing right. in her own right, but, say, but saw the value, got with me, 30 days, her book was launched. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always like, it's not about having content, because you can have so many different content. People got journals and paper stickies and all this stuff, but the system of putting it together is where I, that's, that's my next goal to create a legacy of writers, a legacy of people that say, Hey, I can do it fast. I can get this stuff done and have quality content. Quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it comes, I guess the speed, most of the writers I talk to, the speed in which they write came over time when they wasn't rushing themselves. It, it just came over time. So it's possible and to have a great piece of work in a month or two. But, you know, just get the, the process down. You know, you know, have that coach that can give you the pointers so it doesn't take you 10 years. You know, um, but that's, you know, a lot of us, we got to learn that lesson the hard way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the other projects that you want to do outside of, the physical writing and the physical coaching, uh, where are you at with building those, that part of yourself? Yeah, one of the things is, is really now stepping to the movie platform because I really want to take mm-hmm. the content. And one of the things I show people how to do is take uh, a lot of different things and do one thing with at least to 10, 17 different things, only right. using that one product. You know, I'm mm-hmm. holding my iPhone 
that they slowly give you iPhone two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, change a couple of features. I, mm-hmm. It's a great people hate. Oh, knock on that's a genius idea. They break right. it down to bite sized pieces. So what I'm doing now is how do I do it? Like I created a whole book this time called Writing Over Spilled Milk. And basically what I'm showing people in this system or in this book as a system, rather than writing a book on whatever I could write about, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to give you guys tools and the nuggets mm. um, to take what you what, what works for me and then reproduce it. I'm also working on, as you see, it's going to be dropping one another thing, dropping my new merch uh, coming out. Everything I do is for a reason and it's, symb- it's symbolic or something. This whole pen is a That's a slick pen. shirt. That's a slick shirt. Thank you, brother. Where do we where do we find them at? Oh, you're gonna find them in my new website, but you're gonna also see it. You're gonna see it this month drop, and you'll be able to get some other stuff. You're gonna have some stuff that. I mean, I like I I do like that shirt. For writer, and it's all for the world. It's the clock. It's it's everything, and I show people how to message yourself and say, "Hey, everything about my brand. I Mm -hmm. want it to mean something purposeful and meaningful." Mm -hmm. Where did you learn branding and marketing? Just out, you know. Really, the Lord kind of just showed me. Um, then work running with people, running with some running with some coaches uh, like Kelly Cole, running with, you know, Kelly Cole. We do a lot together. This brother is dope, super marketing genius. Mm-hmm. Um, we just started working in this trial and error. It came from just watching and just saying, hey, but I even back in the day, I was always a T-shirt guy or a merch right. guy before I even knew that. Um, and I, just from a creative standpoint to say, hey, you may not buy my book, but you may get the mug. Look at, that. Look at that, see that? that just, you, you just said it, Brady. Just prepared. That preparation <laughs> meets opportunity and it just explodes and you can't help but to be successful. Yeah. And that's really the secret. People think it's some magical code or amount of money you have to have, but it's really just, just that preparation and just when the opportunity comes, you have everything ready to go. Right. Pushing yeah. that go button. Yeah, behind my computer now, there's books I've written, there's notepads, you know, mm-hmm. from the standpoint, I, I'm always, from a standpoint, just trying to keep things as the Lord gives it to me on a day-to-day basis. I'm always mm-hmm. in my phone, you know, putting a note down. I'm always mm-hmm. writing something down because at the end of the day, I realize it may not be for me because it mm-hmm. came to me doesn't mean I have to do it. I'm learning that more right. and more. I'm learning to do this right here, pass it, pass it on, pass filter, it on. That filter, it that, the filter game is, is as an artist, because I did so many different mediums, I had to learn how to filter. Say no, I had to learn the value of no and why I was saying no. Not just because you're tired, but, you know, this is a temporary project. This is long-term. You know, this is going to take this amount of time. This I can't do. I can't fit that in. And learn how to edit yourself as you're working, as you're going, so you're not taking them big steps. You brought some man that really, really powerful man. I, I love your show. I love his vibe. One of the things that Thank you. I, I had to really create, I was listening to you guys earlier, just great conversation, was I had to create something. I talk about this in one of my books to create a two no list, not a <laughs> not a, a two K N O, but the two N O, which means purposely right. say stuff that you're going to say no to. If it's outside mm-hmm. of your lane, no. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, we can, oh, yeah, we can do it. But I learned sometimes when you're not in your lane, and you're not doing things in the simplicity of what you do, and you're trying mm-hmm. to expand too quick, you're all out of your lane. And I right. think that's, I, I literally now created a list that helps me to full, you know, kind of detour de- de- from distraction by just saying, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to say no to, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I do anything free, I have to demand something else. Now, I just dropped a nugget for somebody. I hope they caught that. 
If I mm. do something free, then I got to demand your time. I don't mind not charging you, but are you willing to put the time in? If you're not willing to put the time in, then I'm not going to give it to you for free. And it's and it's it can mean anything. For example, you know, right now I'm not an A-list or even a B-list actor, but if I'm doing something for free, uh, better you better know I'm gonna have a table sitting out there for every performance, either selling my merchandise. You know, I make jewelry. I you know I do mm -hmm. uh, consulting work. So I, I have to be able to either be in that program or set up a table outside, you know, for intermission or before and after the show. So you got to define that. And that's that's my no. Part of my no, my no list is I don't do those multi-layer marketing schemes. Yeah. And I call them schemes. But, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs feel like I got to get these multiple streams of income. But those multiple streams should be things that you do yourself. Yeah. Like you should be doing those things. It's just like buying stock. Why would you yeah. buy stock in something that you don't use? Yeah. Like that's just crazy. It it should be something that you are utilizing. But yeah. it's funny because you know that that's so true. You know, it's one of those things that um I always say yeah, I help people. I'm from the South, from Charlotte, right? I live okay. in the DMV now. But one of the things that I always say, we used to say back in the day, like, hey man, I'm fitting to go. I'm fitting to do this, I'm fitting to do whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to move people out of that kingdom of fitness. You know, you, you've been wanting to do it for so long because you're trying to do everything else mm -hmm. for what you created to do. And one of the things that, that we have to really look at, man, when it comes to writing your book, I help people, man, that have taken their book who are coaches. And then I say, mm -hmm. OK, you now you have this book and you can move and do this in another whole way. Create a whole mm -hmm. movement around, it. create a right. whole something around. It. I love what your search say, create your masterpiece. You know. Everything that, that I do, I actually talk to my design team. They design it. It wasn't my creativity, per se, of drawing it out. They took mm -hmm. what was inside of my head and manifested it. Mm -hmm. I always say you never know what the next level of your story. I got all these books. None of them have been a, a New York best-selling time book yet. Mm -hmm. But once you hit one plateau, what people don't understand, mm -hmm. once you get everything out and you get hot, was it something back then you didn't want it? Now I'm hot, you all. But if you right. if you haven't that written, one opportunity that's over here that gets these things over here seen, I get you. Yep. That's mm -hmm. why I tell people write it. Like get it out. Quit saying I'm gonna write it next year. Get your stuff done because that book. How many movies, best selling movies, come out of books? I, I can't even name it. It's just yeah. endless. Yeah, yeah. And some of our favorite movies, people don't realize, was a book first. Yep. And, you know, that's why I brought up um, and I, her name just jumped out of my head. Way next sale and hostile because she was she was a, considered an urban novelist and mm -hmm. somebody believed in her book and took it to the next level. Yep. You know, the color purple, all these things that started out as just somebody being creative and then somebody discovered it and it took it to another platform. Yep. So, so my next question for you is book number one. Compared to book 40, or what I think you said 40 at this point, mm -hmm. uh, how is Dr. Reed different? Where where are you different? Way different. My first what, happened? Book. What, what happened in this transition? My first book, man, listen, it was a struggle. <laughs> it, it, had, it was awful. It was literally terrible. Like I, my first book, mm -hmm. the editor didn't do their job. I like what you're saying. You said earlier about having a good editor. I paid all this money for this editor. I wrote my first book. I was unemployed. Mm. I paid all this money for the editor. It wasn't right. 
the cover design wasn't correct. The formatting wasn't correct. It was published for entire years, years, and I never to this day received a dime off my first book. I had to repurpose it, get with somebody else, repurpose it, resubmit it, re-put it out, relaunch mm-hmm. it. And that's what said to me, hmm, I'm going to milk this crisis. I'm going to be with <laughs> somebody else. Mm-hmm. What I should have had. I should have been able to call Oliver and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pay you the money. Because we try to be cheap. Let me go ahead and pay you the money, invest in your program. No, I was trying to do it myself. It would have probably took you a little bit longer to get it finished, but you would have been able to be proud of that moment. So now there's a book out there that you're not even proud of. I'm talking about to the point where I had to, you know, threaten. I'm going to go to litigation for you to take it down. Mm. Um, And I never got any profits, you know, profits from it. I learned a lot then. I learned, again, the whole model that I said earlier. Put it in the hand of a specialist. Go to somebody that can get done or done it before. So I think now, I actually persevered. What I what helped me through book one was that I realized that I wasn't doing this for the money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't hit bestsellers list when I first. Uh, I was just like so depressed. Like I put all this energy, but I still kept doing it because you got to realize that your book never gets old. So you can always reach a certain plateau with your book. Mm-hmm. That's right. what people understand. You can relaunch it. You can repurpose it. You can come out again. And so now at book forty, I have a system to where it's not. I do more with less now. And I don't say it in an arrogant way. I say it in a humble way. I'm able to produce books left and right and help people do it because I got a system that works. And so that's the difference between book one and book 40. So I'm definitely going to have to hit you up after this because it's, uh, um, it's, it's been a process and it's, it's more so me getting out of my own way and not, um, anytime you go from this, this art form to this art form, there's a little hesitation because you don't know, well, this is not really my lane, but I need this lane to get through this creative energy I'm trying to put out there. And I think a lot of us spend a lot of time, shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, uh, dreaming about something versus just making it happen. But people don't realize the making it happen is the hardest part of it. That's yeah. the hardest part because you still are holding on to some of that hesitation while really going through the difficult part of creating. Uh, a book, you know, and, and I know for me, I know that first one, once I get that first one out, it's going to be over because I'm going to be wanting to write everything. Oh, yeah. But uh, speaking to that fear of writing, that is uh, something that I fought against because I had a college professor who said, do you have a phobia of writing? And mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't because what I was writing was so horrible, but I would get out of writing i just would get out of it i would do you know i was the hardest working part person in the theater department because i i'm not writing up here so everything else made you know made up for that lack right there but you know as an adult it's so much i want to say you know it's so much i want to express it's so much i want to share and it seems like i can do this all day but and you know this pays at some point but you know, if how much more powerful would it be if I had it in a book form, something that I could sell outside of an event that I'm speaking at or a play that I'm performing at and, and have that type of, you know, knowledge where somebody could take me home and they don't necessarily have to tune in every Friday. Yeah. Um, but I want y'all to tune in every Friday, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. I, I, I've always looked at authors in awe because it takes a strong person to be able to, even if it's something fictional or not from their personal experience, it's, it's a 
that level of creativity, especially if you're consistently doing it, it's magical to me. You know, I can learn lines and walk across stage the right way, but, you know, the person who wrote those lines, you know, I'm in love with August Wilson, you know, and I'm, I'm always looking at an author's brain and where is this coming from? You know, because sometimes it ain't from your real life. Sometimes it's out of experience or out of something you've walked across, you know, in life. But uh, who are those writers that inspire you right now? Yeah, before I answer that, man, I wanted to say I give all kudos to you, bro. I actually have done two acting gigs. One has been uh, a stand-in, an extra, and just been oh. the extra the amount of work. Because I remember being a hot day. I was an extra in this movie <laughs> called Hope's Legacy that came out on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it was out in Maryland, man. It was hot. And I was just extra. I ain't say nothing to mm-hmm. it, man. I was sitting down there sweating and so all these takes. Mm-hmm. I said, I couldn't imagine remembering lines. Then I was in this other movie, uh, the small kind of documentary uh, about sexual abuse. And mm-hmm. I remember just couldn't get my lines. I'm a great writer, but just remembering my lines. Because I'm like, I don't want to be out of the box. I want to <laughs> say what I want to say. they like, no. Mm-hmm. Like this. But So I give you all the kudos for that. I think the the writers that have inspired me, one has been uh, Mr. T.D. Jakes. And the reason okay. I like him is because our, our paths are similar, but because he was able to converge over. Like, he was able to write books, do movies, do whatever, mm-hmm. preach, coach. He didn't let anything limit him. Yeah. So like, I'm going to just be this bishop, and that's going to be it. He you has know? a strong essence. He's one of those people who writes the way he speaks. Yes. And you can see vividly what he's saying in his writing. Yes. I, I, I like, uh, you know, there, there's there's so many different ones. I like Miles Monroe. Um, okay. You know, from a standpoint, very, very deep uh, in practical things and, and mysteries as well. So mm-hmm. I like those. I mean, I, I, so many different writers. Um, you know, it's a book. It's not coming to mind, but it's a book called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And okay. uh, I have it there, but it's, I want to get up. But it's a book that I love. It talks about dealing with building teams. And mm-hmm. what the proper, but he does it in a very fictional way. He talks mm-hmm. about his office with these different challenges and how you have to be able to adapt and be a coach. That's one thing I love about working with my clients. I'm able to coach, but then I'm like, okay, a lot of times they coach me. I'm learning certain things from them and I'm just never stop, you know, learning. So I love the way um, certain people write and just mm-hmm. the, the poetic way of how they present how to use that imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, going back to you, something you said, because a lot of times people who are creative, who are actors, it's not may not be you, but some people, because they, it, 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 one of the things I teach is how to write, because all writing is not writing. Now, I'll leave that as a clue. All writing is not writing. You kind of mm-hmm. have to build in what you're already <laughs> doing. I'll just put it this way, writing is speaking. Mm-hmm. And speaking right. is writing. Right. And so from that standpoint, it's how you captivate and how you capture it mm-hmm. uh, on the different platforms, especially now with all this technology. So it's right. really how you do it and how I do it. It's finding the ways that fit your lifestyle. Some people have to write on that piece of paper. Mm. If they ain't write on the piece of paper, some people will never buy an ebook from me. They want they want the hard physical copy. Because they they're still, I'm, I'm a person who, I don't make enough time to do it. This pandemic has definitely given me enough time to read tons of books from authors uh, like yourself. and. I miss that, you know, opening up a book. I, I'm not to be on that tablet scrolling up. I'm gonna get annoyed and I'm gonna put it down at some point. But a yeah. book, I'll find myself sitting there until I'm finished. Yeah. And and there, I, I want us to go. And I'm talking about that at the beginning of the show. We got to go back to some of those basic things. Reading yeah. a book 
you know, is 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 simple and it's not only gonna help authors, but yeah. it helps us to retain information better. Yep. But uh in in, in terms of uh just writing from your own personal experience, how much of you has been sprinkled throughout your books? Every last book that mm -hmm. I write, whether it's uh, most of my stuff has been self-help. Okay. Uh, anthology, self-help, real life stuff. Mm -hmm. But then I embarked recently on a non-fictional character. His name is Hero. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book called 19 Cobalt Street, The Adventures of a Little Hero. And so mm -hmm. I basically talked about this kid who was facing this pandemic because a lot of people have forgotten about the kids that's watching all this stuff happen. You right? Right. Mm -hmm. I was looking at my children how, you know, my son, he was raised, he was born right after two months after 9-11. And then mm -hmm. he also his graduation got interrupted. So now he couldn't even graduate. And then when he was before he was conceived, he was dealing with trauma. Outside mm -hmm. stuff that was going on. I said, hey, how was this affecting these kids? And so wrote this book. So even my a little bit of my past is sprinkled in that book. I always have my secret sauce in every book that I write. <laughs> how important is that to you though, that you are a part of your journey and your writing? Yeah, I think it's your signature. It's like it's so important. It's almost like that trail that leads mm -hmm. to your people who really get you. A lot of people buy your books, but they don't really get you. Few people will really get you. And for those faithful people that really start to see who you really are, mm -hmm. I always say people will call you what they see. Those people that can really see you, they look for those trails. They look for, mm -hmm. that's why they're drawn to you. They look for that energy. They look for that word. They look for that acting moment. Like I love watching Denzel because I know that every performance that he has is going to be a signature moment in that movie. That's going to be like, right. that's Denzel. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be a stamp on it. One of one of the things that I uh, like as I was doing my research on you, I'm a big self help. I love self help books. Um, I love nonfiction, but I really love self help books or novels that are personal. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I also like to meet the person. I just so happen to have a platform where I can reach out or somebody can bring an author my way. Uh, but I love to meet the person because I, I like to see if is this the person because you can you could tell immediately if a person is just being creative or they're putting themselves in their books because a lot of authors stay away from being personal. And yes. I think that harms a lot of artists because with the world we're living in right now, I want to know if you like me because I'm not going to put my mm -hmm. money into somebody who right. raping children or right. who got, you know, certain quirks. Mm -hmm. that, I, that don't align with who I am. And that's just yep. the selfishness that is my money, you <laughs> know, my ability to spend my money. But I, I, I always tell artists, even non-writers, non make your work personal. Make it, you know, you have a story. I've heard you kind of paint this milk picture throughout our conversation. So what, that's, that's your connection yep. to it. You're a country boy. I can tell you're a country boy because you're, you're talking about farm life. But but it, it definitely is, you know, it's personal and people have to people want to invest in you because they want to see themselves in you. And if we're not sharing who we are, they can't invest in a stock character or, you know, a, a piece of your imagination. They want to know, you know, how uh, Oliver lives and breathes, yeah. you know, and in connection to them wanting to support you. And it's crazy that people do that. But. Yeah, it's it's only fair because I'm investing my time, energy, and support in in into this person. So, do is that part? What part of your advice to other artists in terms of being personal? Yeah, very personal. I think the good thing with me is that I grew up in the city in Charlotte, mm -hmm. but my grandmother 
living mm-hmm. in the country, which is 30 minutes away. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where you got the best of both worlds. And I always tell people, <laughs> my advice as an author or artist is to get out of your own neighborhood. Yeah. I've traveled around the world. I've been blessed due to my writing and speaking to be able to be a blessing and receive blessings on four continents already. Right. So that's that your book. I always tell authors, hey, your story that's locked up, be true about it. This is your way to express it. I always say this. I'd rather tell on myself. I'd rather share something about myself than mm-hmm. somebody else. Because if right. I put my story in the hands of somebody else, they can butcher that story. So I'll encourage how, you. How do yeah. you feel about uh, ghostwriting? I do a lot of ghostwriting and one, I'm a ghostwriter. But what I do is that I would never ghostwrite your book without you. There's a lot of people that will ghostwrite and just make up stuff. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna work with you so that I can articulate because I don't want you coming later and like my story so you know misrepresented. We're gonna work, or neither do I. I teach ghostwriters this too. Do you want to write a whole entire book for somebody? And then they realize, like, what man, that, you know, Nate, that, that don't really sound mean. like me. Yeah, you, know, really, it's, you can it's, hear it. You can. That's why I said I like meeting the writer because you can tell. This ain't that person. They're just writing from somebody else's perspective. And they're not really, you know, ghostwriters get a bad rep as well because that happens a lot. But people don't pay attention. They don't ask the right questions when they're seeking off somebody, you know, and and it could be a time thing or I don't have the ability to write in that manner. So I want I want to hire somebody. But I I want to put out that your information, how people can uh, book you. Uh, in terms of maybe speaking engagements or if they need a coach uh, or how how do we find your books? Yeah, you can find my books by putting Dr. Oliver T. Reed in um, on any Google uh, platform, you'll get that. Um, go to my www.milkwritingsystem.com. I got a free tips. I got some free tips there, free case study that you can actually look at. Won't cost you a thing. You can go through it and see it. Um, you can also book me there. You can also go to www. DrOliverTReed.com. Okay. Um, like I said, I'm going to be doing my milk, milk, March milkness. I got to get okay. it out. Uh, so you're going to be seeing some products, and one of those things you'll be seeing is other ways to kind of connect with me. I also want to say this Saturday, tomorrow, it's not too late. Mm-hmm. Myself and my, my, my brother, Kelly Cole, we're doing what we call Book It. This is something we took around the country before, but due to COVID, we, we couldn't do our virtual masterclass. And so what we're doing now, you can actually go to www.bookitmasterclass and you can get in today from the comfort of your living room. Three-hour session that we're doing tomorrow. Three-hour three session that's going to be crazy. Straight from your thing. And I'm just, you How know, do they find that? Thing. They just go to your social media? Or? Yeah, they can go to my social media or they can put in www.bookit, like book, like you're booking a trip, bookitmasterclass.com. Okay, okay. I, and I'm I'm already I, I can normally tell authentic people uh, because I meet so many different people. Uh, but I, I'm I'm really appreciative to you. So I have two more questions for you. One, um, uh, what are you looking? So what should I have prepared? And and if I'm looking for a coach, if I'm looking for your services, what should I have prepared in, in meeting you? Yeah, I think it's just a made up made up mind because we can develop your content. Okay. I think that what I, what I have a challenge to do is people who say they want to write a book, but they don't. You know, mm-hmm. so the biggest thing about it is I always say you can't be open and right. close at the same time. You can't open the door and close at the same time. So the biggest thing is made up mind that you're ready, and then two, um, have some sort of idea what you want to say. 
I think that comes, you know, you it will always grow up on you. You it will always change. But if you have Those a made of mind, talk about. there you go. Those two things. Uh, and my last question to you, I ask this to everybody: What advice would you give to your seventeen-year-old self? And what question would you ask to your one hundred-year-old self? Mm-hmm. Not to change anything, but just you know. Mm-hmm. I would say to my seventeen-year-old self, "Why didn't you start early?" Mm. Like, like that's what I, I love talking to kids now. I'm talking to my daughter and my son. Like, you guys can be killing the game now. Go ahead and get this done now. Don't wait till you get my age to do this. If I have 40 books at my age, mm-hmm. and I'm in my 40s, what could you have right now when you're in your 20s or you're 18 or you're 19? You so that's what kids? I was thinking myself. Yep, four. Okay. So are they in their in their process? We're in a, we're in their process because you know they're, they're eighteen and twenty two okay. and nineteen. So you know they have that thing like dad don't you know we got this. They don't know what he talking right. about. Right. So all I'm trying to do is walk it out and hopefully mm-hmm. they'll see. And see the thing about parenting is you still got to leave a legacy. Right. It's not for them to leave a legacy at this point. It's for me to leave the legacy. You and know? you got to give them room to make the mistake so they yes. can then. <laughs> Follow the direction. We we follow the directions. You know, you 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 knew what to do the right way, but you still was tempted over here. Yeah. But you gotta we we still gotta get children that room to make a mistake so they can learn. Because sometimes yeah, so a hard head is the best teacher. Yeah, and they're so creative out of the wazoo. They're brilliant. So one of the, the things that you know I would tell my hundred year old self mm-hmm. is that you still your your highest level at a hundred is still mm-hmm. the basement of your new level. So my mm. pinnacle at 100 is still the basement. That's still working. And I always tell everybody that I'm interviewing, those two questions to your 17-year-old self and your 100-year-old self, find moments throughout time to answer that question again because depending on where you are will be the advice that you give and the question that you ask. And, and you'll see it either grow, sometimes you might see it move back, but depending on where you are, if you're in a start-over moment or if you're pushing forward, just, just find a moment to ask yourself that question because it gives you a good indication of where you are in that moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really appreciate you stopping by. Um, you got to come back because I want to. I want to hear about more about this milk, this milk uh, analogy of life. Uh, <laughs> and I, I want to just know what's what's coming up. I'm always interested in what's next with somebody. Um, I want when you got that film because uh, I know I'm gonna be in it. But just let me know when it's audition time. Because uh, I'm not too proud. Yeah. Uh, but uh, whenever you have something new coming up, sir, just just hit me up. You can always come on back uh, and join us and talk about it and market it. Uh, and maybe we'll have more time. Right now, our time is limited because we're virtual. But soon, hopefully, with these vaccines, we'll have more openness and yes. more ability to be in the same space. But um, much love to you, man. Much success. Love, um, and what you said, I have a lot of your information, but send me those two links for the Book it and the um, the milk. What was it called the milk? The milk writing system. The milk writing system. Mm-hmm. Send me the, that information and I'll share it out so people can join you. Okay, definitely. Thank you, brother. So this has been another <laughs> another edition of the Artist Exchange Radio Show. He gonna send me that question because I'm I'm looking at it more now. Now I see the clock. Now I see the see clock. But, yeah, I see it. That's I see it. But this is the mug. I want the mug. I want the cop. <laughs> Got you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Thank you, Dr. Oliver T. Reed. Definitely look him up on all social media platforms under Dr. Oliver T. Reed. Um, and much success to you again, sir. Thank you for coming on. Thank you Appreciate for sharing you. your story. And you'll always have a space here to be able to uh, tell that story, share that story, and engage. So this has been another edition of the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BeExposedRadio.com. Like, share, subscribe, tell a friend. And if you're looking for a space to start your own platform, this is your home. So hit us up at info at BeExposedRadio.com. And again, this has been Nate Kauser of the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Peace out. Thank you, sir.